there's something right now that's in my mind and it's, you know, how can we bring people closer together on an offline basis? And I feel like friendship is really the answer to that. And I won't settle until we've done everything we can to try to bring friendship as a solution to solve that problem. Welcome to the Founders Couch. This is a show about Stanford student founders and their intrepid journeys of starting their own thing. I'm your host, Catherine Jang. Today, we've got Christopher Liu and Jack Garland on the couch. It's going to be an incredible show, but here's a short spiel on our guests. Chris and Jack are Stanford juniors. Chris is majoring in economics and Jack in computer science. They're the founders of Friendship, a social app that makes it easy for you to meet up with your friends. To all my Stanford peeps out there, ever find yourself at Koopa and want some friends who are free to swing by? You can do this now with Friendship. Place a chip and notify your friends. Now, I can't wait to dive into this and learn about how Chris and Jack came to found the company. So let's get them on the couch. Hey, guys. Hey, we're really happy to be here. Thanks so much for coming on the couch today. Thanks for having us. All right. So I'm going to ask, first off, how are you guys doing? I think we're a little bit stressed, uh, even though it's week two. Um, It's just because we've been working really, really hard on friendship. Um, Just this weekend, we pushed two updates. So we're really happy about that. Yeah, but besides that, we're, we're really excited about the progress we've made. Um, I think since getting back to campus, I've really been super invested uh, in where we're going with friendship and really excited to work on it and push these updates. So we're doing great because of that. Uh, and for our listeners out there who might not have a good understanding of what friendship does, what would you say in a couple words of what your app does? I'd say it's like um, a Snapchat where instead of sending photos, you send invitations to uh, activities you'll be doing later. So it's super casual. Um, Say I'm going to go to Koopa in the afternoon for a two-hour coffee break. Then I just put a chip on a map and I invite um, specific friends who can then come join me if they want to. I see. Uh, And where did this all start? So this started um, really as an idea during our freshman year, but it developed a lot when we were sophomores uh, because when we started our sophomore year, we realized that we didn't really have the same kind of dorm community that we had found as freshmen. And because of that, it was really hard to see some of those friends that we had made freshman year because everyone was spread out around campus, living in different places. Um, So we wanted a way to make it really easy to be able to meet up with these friends on a regular basis. And we found that it was really difficult to communicate with so many people over text message, Um, And there were other platforms such as like Facebook events that were just really not appropriate for the kind of casual interactions that we wanted to have with these friends. So we started thinking of ways to be able to see these people um, on a more regular basis and a better way to coordinate these kind of meetups. Uh, And that eventually evolved into our design for friendship. Mm. So I know you had this initial idea, right? Did you talk to friends? Did you talk to strangers? How did you sort of validate that this was going to be a good idea? Yeah, so I think we had two stages of validation. So the first one was even thinking about whether or not we wanted to, you know, invest ourselves into a project of this magnitude. And the second one was actually speaking to potential users and understanding their needs and desires. So the first step, we actually spoke to Nathan Kong. Right, shout out to Nathan. Who came to, uh, to this podcast. And he was super helpful in just helping us think through like the different steps of what it means to actually be starting a project. And the level of investment you would be putting into that. And we really saw that over the past year and a half that we've been working on it. Um, But I think stage two is perhaps most important to the product itself. And this was really um, a lot with our close friends, with strangers that we would see either at Stanford or when I went back home at McGill. And just 
asking them a bunch of questions about their current social lives, the way they plan things out, and then having them walk through a demo we had and kind of getting their reaction to it. And a lot of them were like, hey, this is super cool. I would really use it if like my friends were on it. Can you speak to like the challenges that a social networking style sort of app has? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, so you probably heard that I wasn't able to finish the sentence because um, this is also the challenge we have, which is you need a network effect. And there's no amount of prototyping that allows you to kind of see ultimately how the social computing system works when you have a bunch of different people who are on it. And I think we made a first mistake um, when we released our beta, which was we went to our closest friends. And our closest friends perhaps were not the people who, you know, would have been the first users of this uh, technology. And uh, the results were very mixed. And then very quickly, the kind of the social fabric was became very thin and people weren't you know, on it as much just because our close friends are super busy and they usually like to communicate with each other via group text messages. Mm. But what happened recently was we had um, another friend use it and then she was the type of user that we would have had as an early adopter and then she got all of her other friends who would have been early adopters as well onto the platform and it just created this like small network effect where people mm-hmm. were bringing people on and then our friends who were initially on the platform and not very active suddenly became more active once right. we had these initial kind of early adopters who were super active on it. So I think the, the network effect is a double-edged sword um, because it does make it harder to get people on the platform because I think there's a kind of catch-22 situation where no one wants to use it unless their friends are on it, um, but you know their friends aren't on it because they aren't using it in the first place. Right. Um, but So that's sort of the downside. But then the upside is also very high with these networking effects because once we do get a critical mass on the platform, which we've actually observed on a sort of small scale at this point with certain specific friend groups, then there's a really strong incentive for everyone to be on the app a lot to be like really going on and checking it and sharing what they're doing with their friends. Um, so as I said, we have observed this on a small scale. And I think um, if we can continue this kind of growth, that will be a really positive thing for us. To mm, absolutely. And something that you mentioned, Chris, in, your, in our last conversation was that, especially with like social networking apps, there needs to be an aspect that makes it sort of cool, quote mm-hmm. unquote, right? Um, so what have you guys done to sort of make friendship the cool thing to do? Ooh, that's a really, really good question. Um, I think just maybe talking about the name itself, I feel like it sounds like a little cute name, yeah. um, friendship with right. you know the chips that we put, so friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but surprisingly, um, a lot of the friends we've spoken to were like, "Hey, like this is a really cool name, and we really like the idea of how there's a whole ecosystem of kind of terminology that you can use with the app." So um, when you say that you're going to an application, you know, people are like, "Oh, I'm chipping in," mm. um, and then you know, when you place a chip, um, you know, you're actually inviting people to this activity without having to say, "I'm inviting you to this activity." Right. Um, and I think that there's kind of like building a, like the language around um, the product uh, is super important. And we can think that, you know, of Facebook and Snapchat that also have, you know, their own terminology. And, you know, on a, on a, in a different setting, Google, um, right. you know, it became a verb. Um, otherwise, I think it's also about kind of thinking of the activities we want people to be doing on the application. So obviously we have an icon for studying, but most of the time people actually put icons for um, just hanging out at Koopa for, you know, these coffee breaks uh, or even going to the gym. And those are activities that we think are not, uh, you know, uncool. They're really cool because in some sense you're getting your friends around and then, um, you know, there have been many times where we were at Koopa at these friendship events and, you know, we were a whole group of like maybe six, seven people. And then a friend of one person within the group would pass by and be like, hey, what are you guys doing? 
And so the person would, you know, respond saying that we're at a friendship event, mm-hmm. and then the other person was like, "Like this is quite cool. Like maybe I should be getting onto this." Yeah, I right. think it's it's inherently cool to be hanging out with your friends. Um, so when we're able to get these big groups hanging out together as part of friendship events, that really creates this pull for other people who see that and and want to understand what this product is that that's allowing this to happen. I think that really helps to add to the coolness factor. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask about the design aspect of the app. Um, so, uh, Jack, I know you took 147, right? Last fall or? I did, the fall yeah. Before? So, I've taken a lot of the HCI classes here, um, including CS 147. And mm-hmm. what concepts from those classes have you taken with you when designing the app? Yeah, so I think um, we've really taken a lot of these prototyping concepts that they teach um, throughout like the human-computer interaction courses and the d-school courses here at Stanford Mm -hmm. um, to heart in designing friendship and uh, as Chris mentioned very early on we prototyped the idea of the app with a lot of users um, particularly in Montreal but also here at Stanford Um, and that really allowed us to see whether or not people liked the idea of it before building it out um, so I think that's one of the things we definitely took to heart from uh, CS 147. I mean, we're both yeah. in social computing right now. It's a new class, um, CS 278. Michael Bernstein, right? Michael yeah. Bernstein. Big shout out to him. Um, <laughs> really, really good lecture. Um, love to go to his lectures. And he said something that made us really think about our whole process, which is even though we can prototype the flow of the product, there's no way we can actually prototype the interactions that are going to result from, um, you know, like, having those networks there. So a big question we had was, hey, how often should people be putting chips onto the platform? You know, like is, you know, like two times a day too much or should Mm. people, you know, keep it to once every three days or, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, once every week? And it's really, you know, kind of having our real users on a real product that allowed us to kind of start seeing these statistics and metrics about the participation and the level of comfort people were feeling uh, depending on the level of participation of themselves, but also of their friends. And we're, you know, constantly working um, with all of that data. Mm. I want to ask about also the team dynamic here, because I know you guys have been friends for so long. So what makes this team work? Well, I think for one, it's the friendship. Um, we really understand each other. And as such, we know how we work. We know how uh, to accommodate um, for each other's needs. But also, I think in terms of just building out the product, we have very complementary skills. And those skills, you know, span not only in terms of the technical side, but also in terms of when we're communicating and trying to think about different things, we think differently and we mm. bring in different uh, concerns that allow us to be very thoughtful mm-hmm. in terms of the end product that we're um, moving towards. I think one more thing that really contributes to the great team dynamic here is our shared passion for this idea. Um, we really have, since we started, both been incredibly committed to making this work. Um, and that allows us to work through any problems we have, which really there there aren't many at all. Um, but I think just because of our shared passion, we both know what we want to accomplish and we're really willing to work toward that. Mm. I mean, there was a there was a period where we were both in Robinson and there was Great no one else around <laughs> us. And we were like, you know what? Like we're building this product so that we can stop feeling lonely in Robinson. So it was addressing a real world need. Right? Exactly. That's so funny. <laughs> In terms of the complementary skills that you guys had, so I know, Chris, you're more of the econ CEO kind of guy, right? And then uh, Jack is more of the computer science CTO kind of guy, right? So how do you guys sort of 
bridge those skill sets and what do those team meetings look like? Well, I think one thing that's really good is we do both bring these different skill sets, but I think we both have um, a very good sense of design mm. and vision for the product. So that's one place where we're very, very complementary um, and very compatible in our skills. So a lot of our meetings are discussing sort of what is our vision for the product. Um, we we often talk about you know how we see it being used um, by our users and what that tells us about um, changes we want to make, features we want to add, um, even bugs that need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of our meetings do focus on the product because we both really build that. And then um, besides that, you know, I'll try to talk to Chris about some of the technical limitations I see um, in order to help prioritize those features. Chris might um, tell me, you know, why he thinks something is important from a marketing or business perspective in terms of prioritizing features. So we both bring these different perspectives in order to um, really decide what's most important to get done next. And in terms of work-life balance, I know this is a topic that came up uh, at our uh, little chat at Coupa, but how do you maintain that balance? I think, honestly, um, when I'm not doing something that's school-related, it's a friendship-related thing. So I think this is where the balance comes from, right? Because we're working on a product that also allows us to um, you know, be close to our users who are a lot of the times our friends. Mm-hmm. And this is what's been really, really cool about, you know, working on this, which is um, either I'm working with Jack on, you know, thinking through which features need to be added, how we can, you know, address the current bugs that we have, how to prioritize everything. Mm-hmm. Or I'm actually at a friendship event, um, you know, obviously hanging out with my friends, but kind of, you know, seeing what the product is is doing in, you know, people's lives and the impact we're having, um, you know, right there by, you know, being present. And I think something that's important for us for maintaining that balance is even though we might be sort of observing or thinking about our product when we're at these social events with our friends, because, you know, as a founder, you're always thinking about your project. But I think we are sort of able to step out of the, the business mindset, I guess, for a minute during those events and just enjoy that social life, make these observations, but really talk about it at a later time um, so that we're not really interfering with like the the business while we're also hanging out with our friends. Mm -hmm. So something you mentioned, Jack, was the fact that, you know, as founders, you're super passionate about an idea, which is why you started in the first place. What qualities about you guys you think makes you stand out as being good founders? Ooh, I think that's a very tough question because you need so many different qualities. And yet across founders, you have so many different sets of qualities that each, you know, a lot of successful founders have that are very different. I think for me personally, I think there are two that really come to mind. And the first one is grit um, slash perseverance, mm-hmm. being willing to work on a product, you know, for months, um, you know, for years sometimes until you actually see concrete results. And the other one is kind of this feeling of never wanting to settle for something, um, because I feel like so often people can get, you know, nine to five jobs, you're really happy. And I'm not saying that, you know, I wouldn't be happy doing that, but I think that there's something right now that's in my mind and it's, you know, how can we bring people closer together on an offline basis? And I feel like friendship is really the answer to that. And I won't settle until we've done everything we can to try to bring friendship as a solution to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with our friends at Stanford, you know, the other students here, and then, you know, expanding to, to colleges in the U.S. and hopefully for everybody who has a cell phone on them. Yeah, I really agree with with all of those points. And I think as Chris alluded to, this grit really comes from having a passion for your idea. 
Um, and I think I hear a lot of people at Stanford say, you know, like they want to be entrepreneurs or they want to start a company someday. Um, and I, I think that's great. And I always felt that way too. But I would also caution people to wait until the idea is right and wait until you have something that you're going to be completely passionate and focused about and something that, you know, keeps you up at night um, that you'd rather be doing than, than anything else. And mm. I think that's a really, really um, important prerequisite for you know, being a founder and starting a company is having that. Uh, and then one other quality I would mention, I think, is um, having an interest in a really um, broad set of, of areas. So for me, um, you know, I love coding and I, mm -hmm. I love doing the tech side of our product and building that. Um, but I feel like I would never be satisfied if I was doing just that. Mm. Uh, so I really like thinking about all the different aspects that go into building the product, um, you know, from the design to the needs of our users um, to, you know, everything that goes into building a company like fundraising or marketing. Um, and I, I think like having this sort of broad perspective is really important mm -hmm. as well. What would you guys say are the top two or three things you've learned in the entire process of starting Friendship? I'll start with one, and it's really teamwork. I think working on a product um, with a co-founder or you know more than one co-founder teaches you how to work better in a team because, I mean, if you're not doing it, then the other person has to do it, right? So at some point, um, you want the workload to be fair, but you also want to be smart in terms of how you divide the workload, and you want to also hold each other accountable and you know you have to be kind of moving forward at the same pace and um, you know we've had some periods where it was tougher to to you know get this done perfectly but as we've been working together I've really learned how to work specifically with Jack but also how to get the sense of you know my my partner or my coworkers, um, you know, habits and different things that they care about to really understand how I can be a better partner to them, uh, and then working together, you know, as a team. Um, so that's, I think, one of the most important things I've learned through through this journey. I think something I've learned is sort of how much it takes, um, which is a, a broad thing, mm -hmm. obviously, but um, it really has taken us a very long time to get to where we are today. Um, and that's been fine because, as we've talked about before, I think we're both really passionate about this. We both believe in this, and it's been worth the time. Um, but, you know, it's not easy to, to start a company to do this, and there's just so many things to think about. And, um, yeah, I guess I would say just, just learning all of these different steps that it takes um, has been really important for me. For sure. So now I'm going to move on to the fire round. So that's where I basically fire you guys a couple of questions and I want each of you guys or both of you guys to answer pretty quickly. So first off, most memorable experience at Stanford so far? So I will say it's definitely last summer um, when we were both working full-time jobs, but then would come home. Um, we were also roommates uh, during the summer and be working on friendship until like 11 p.m., 12 a.m. Wow. every single day. And where were you, both of you guys based during that time? Uh, so we were actually living together in Norcliffe. Oh, summer. oh, gotcha. Yeah. So on campus. On campus. Yeah. Favorite class at Stanford and why? So my favorite class was actually Psych 70, which I took last spring. Um, I took that class as well. Really good. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting because I'd never taken a psychology class before. And I thought it was really interesting, all these different psychological principles that you learn and how relevant they were to so many aspects of everyday life. Definitely Social Dance 1. Richard Powers has a way of conveying a philosophy of life through dance 
that is absolutely incredible and it helps you just be a better human and be more comfortable with yourself, I think. Um, mm. And I think as a founder, there's so many times when you're being questioned or you're questioning yourself. And I think um, through Social Dance One, I've really learned how to be more confident and mm. comfortable with these questions and answering them through action instead of, you know, just through worry. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. Closest mentor at Stanford and how you met them. So I think for us, it would be Elizabeth Douglas. Um, so we met her uh, through Cardinal Ventures, and she's actually currently the CEO of WikiHow. Yeah, so Elizabeth is a Stanford alum, and uh, she's been really helpful um, for us in terms of shaping the future of our company um, as a CEO of another sort of consumer-facing um, web company. I think she's, she's just had a lot of insights to offer us. Mm. And favorite place to do work on campus? I love working at uh, the Koopa Cafe by Green Library. Uh, McMurtry, second floor, outdoor balcony. Nice. Hopefully it won't be too crowded after this. (laughs) Way too many interests now. Favorite activity to de-stress on campus? I think for me it's uh, bouldering, so rock climbing without a harness. Most impactful summer internship and why? I think for me it's when I was in Germany um, at the end of my freshman year. I think it was really impactful because it was a time where I was, you know, completely... um, alone in this completely new environment and I really learned um, you know how to be with myself and kind of also traveling on weekends meeting new people how to you know become friends with people really really quickly mm-hmm. yeah mine is similar actually uh, I worked with a small startup in Shanghai and China so um, also a very different work context than anything I'd had before um, and I think that was really important for me for learning uh, how to interact with people with very different working styles than mm-hmm. myself One piece of advice you'd give for students on campus who might want to start something? I would say just go for it. Um, You know, this has been a lot of work for us, but really there's been no downsides at all. You know, even if you start something that doesn't really go anywhere, I think it's an incredible learning experience um, just to to see what goes into building a product, um, to build connections. Um, You know, you'll, you'll make good friends through this experience. You'll um, get skills that will be super applicable to any type of job. Yeah, choose who you work with really, really carefully and wisely. Which is why, um, you know, we've got a great team dynamic in front of us right now. Um, where do you see friendship going and what are the next steps for y'all? So I can speak to the more concrete next steps. I guess we have a very long list of Asana tasks that we have to get through, but um, hopefully what we're seeing right now is... Um, We're hoping to finish building the product by the end of this quarter and then during the summer, um, releasing it with, you know, other subgroups, just seeing uh, where it can go and getting the right metrics so that when we come back in September, um, we could actually go out and raise some money for um, the product. And then hopefully we could, I guess, by January, have raised money and then take some time off to work on this full time and trying to expand it and grow it um, across campuses in the U.S. So you guys are thinking like... January, graduate early, and then work on this full-time. That's the plan. Graduate early or take a leave of absence, yes. Oh, I see. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the couch today, Chris and Jack. Thank Thanks you so much, much for having us. Having us. Now, I hope you all enjoyed that episode. It was great to have Chris and Jack on the couch. Friendship is headed to great places, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Check it out on the App Store. It's spelled friendship, but with a C instead of the S. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you've got any feedback, suggestions, questions, or any existential thoughts, write to me at cj98 at stanford.edu. Lastly, wherever you're listening, Spotify, iTunes, etc., make sure to subscribe. 
Next week, we've got a great episode. We'll be talking to Maddie McConkie. Make sure to tune in to hear all about her journey of founding her own political campaign consulting company. I'm Catherine Jang, and you've been listening to The Founder's Couch. See y'all next week.